0: Needing strength for my journey, I knelt at the cross where Jesus once died for me. And I asked, is this the place where hope lies? And this, he said. Play. And I cried, Lord, help me see, is there hope here for me, and is
1: Thank you. Got a live crowd today, boy. (laughs) Wow. Woo. All right. Well, I hope you're not disappointed, brother. But anyway, we'll get moving along anyhow. All right. Chapter 9, 1 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to look at that passage today. This is the passage I was going to preach out of. To share it with you, and then I'm going to throw a question out there and let you dig a little while and see what you come up with. I've come up with a few things, but uh, I just want to leave that with you, and then I'm going to share the message the Lord gave me out of this passage, okay? Not that one, but uh, basically chapters 8 and 9 of the book of Samuel. So let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 24 to start with. That's kind of, I'm uh, just going to leave a thought with you. I just want you to kind of, I noticed something while I was reading my Bible a while ago and it stood out, and I've been kind of digging and looking, and honestly, I just don't have all the answers yet, so I can't preach on it yet. And I don't know that I ever will have all the answers, but if I have a few of them, I could preach on it, right? But nonetheless, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 24, the Bible says there in the passage, and the cook took up the shoulder, and that which was upon it, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, behold, that which is left, set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee, since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. Here's, here's the thing that stood out in my mind. You notice in, the, uh, in English, it's kind of unusual to have an uh, uh, a, a, a explanation point in the middle of a sentence. You, know, you see it there, it says, And Samuel said, Behold that which is left. That which is left. That which is left. Explanation point. It's in the middle of a sentence. You say, what's the big deal? Well, that's a big deal to me. I don't get it yet. I'm trying to understand why the emphasis on left in that explanation point. And I know there's a number of reasons. I've done some search study. I get it. Uh, so, you know, but maybe maybe if I could figure out what that why he had to put that little explanation point in there. So anyway, that was what I was trying to preach to you today. And it never just, just never happened. And so, the Lord kind of directed that, and it's going to change a little bit. We're going to still preach out of the passages, chapter 8 and 9. And so, I want to share a thought with you that the Lord kind of laid on my heart along the way as I was kind of preparing, trying to study for this. But um, it, maybe you can figure something out, Lord, to give you something along the way. Hey, uh, by the way, you don't have to be a preacher to get something. Uh, you don't need to be a, a Bible college student to learn the Bible. I mean, uh, you know, uh, preachers don't corner the market on the Word of God, you know what I mean? I mean, the Holy Spirit does, and he's the teacher, he's the guide. So, boy, I tell you, I want to encourage you, study your Bible, dig, look into it, figure it out. God will bless you for it. He'll meet needs in your life, and he'll certainly enable you to be stronger on his behalf. But uh, we're going to take some time. We're going to look at the background of chapters 8 and 9, and then I'm going to make an application. So uh, let's start right there. Samuel is pretty old, and he makes his sons judges. Let's go back to chapter uh, 8 now. Go back to chapter 8. We're just going to kind of run right on through chapters 8 and 9 and kind of give you the background of the passage and kind of where it's going. But notice what happens here. Uh, Samuel's old. He makes his sons to judge. And, and, and um, uh, in 1 Samuel 8 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. All right, now that doesn't sound like a problem, really. That seems fine. I mean, it's not that uh, uncommon for children to follow in the footsteps of their parents. That's, that's not wrong, that's okay. But unfortunately, the people became rather discontented with that arrangement. Look in verse 5 of chapter 8. The Bible says, And they said unto him, Behold, thou art old. You know, they, I guess they used to be able to tell people that without them getting offended. But anyway, Behold, thou art old and thy sons walk not. I've had somebody tell me I was old the other day on the bus. But anyway, and, and, and they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So they they, they say, we want a king now. They demand a king. Verses 7 through 9. Notice. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit ye protest solemnly unto them, and shew them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So the people are discontented with the sons of of Samuel. And we're going to learn that uh, they did not walk in in the proper way. They did not walk in his ways. We're going to see ultimately ultimately that they were not really faithful in the, the, the office that they had been given And the people now are are somewhat looking around them and they see there's all these other kings and they say, we want to be like the other nations. We want a king over us. It's, It's scary when the people of God want to be like the world. That's not a good thing. And yet their request is heard by God. And he goes to Samuel and he says, Now, Samuel, I know that you're a little upset. I know you're angry about this. I know that you feel hurt and and slighted by this. I know that you feel like they don't appreciate you and that they don't respect your, your opinion and that they don't think you know what you're doing. But I'm going to tell you, don't take it personal. It's not really you they're rejecting. It's me. And so he says, So we're going to give them what they asked for. And what I do want you to do, Samuel, I want you to tell them the kind of king that they're going to get. And so he goes on now over the next verses and he begins to tell them the kind of king they're going to get. The manner of king, as it's said here in the word of God, and and the manner of king they're going to get, he goes on to say, well, take your sons and daughters. He'll use them for his own pleasure. He's going to take your fields, your vineyards, and your olive yards. He goes on to tell them, this king that you so desperately want, he's going to tax your increase. And then he goes on to say, and oh, by the way, he says, he will make you his servants. Now, this is the kind of king that you're going to get. You ask for it, you're going to get it. If you really want it, that's what you're going to get. And he goes on to tell them, you're going to regret your decision, but, oh, by the way, it'll be too late when you figure that out. God's not going to listen to your complaining at that point. You make your choice and then your choice is going to make you. And don't come whining back to God because he's not going to listen to you anymore. He's trying to warn you now. He's trying to give you a plenty of time to make the right decision. He's trying to give you the kind of information you need to make a good decision. And if you choose to go that direction and that route and you neglect God and you reject God, then my friend, I want you to know, too bad, too late. That's what he's telling Israel. That's what he's telling these people. So God ends up giving them what they asked for in 1 Samuel 8, verse 22. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto a city. And so we arrive at chapter 9. And it's in chapter 9 that Saul is introduced. Chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, we read, Now there was a man of Benjamin, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechorah, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. There was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. I mean, this guy, and and, I mean, at the end there, he makes a statement. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. What he's saying is basically that it would be like me standing next to Mr. Wiser. Some of you know who Mr. Wiser is. He's six foot six. And here I am all of six foot two. Okay, maybe not. But if I stood next to Mr. Weiser at six foot six, he'd be a head taller than me at least. He'd rise above me. He'd be so I mean, if the two of us come walking into a room, everybody's eyes would go to him because he was so much taller, certainly not better looking, but so much taller. (laughs) And that is exactly the situation we find Saul. He's tall, he's above all the others. He's he's a head above everyone else, so to speak. Saul and his servant. Come to a place where they're seeking out the man of God, though. They're, some sheep had been lost, and so they go out searching for some sheep that were lost. And uh, along the way, the servant gets this idea says, hey, wait, there's a man of God. And if we can go talk to the man of God, we can get some answers, some direction, some leadership, some guidance. What a novel idea. What a novel idea. And so Saul and his servants seek out the man of God so that he can guide them into their, uh, to their lost sheep. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither. Peradventure he can shew us our way that we should go. Now, it's interesting because before they ever arrived there, God had already told Samuel that, that Saul was the man who was going to be king. Remember, the people had demanded a king, and God had, had, had allowed it to take place. And now a king is to be sought, and, and Samuel has been told now, Saul is the man. And so before he ever meets Saul, he already knows that he's coming. And in 1 Samuel nine fifteen verses 6 through 16, the Bible says, Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come unto me. He is well aware that the king is coming. And now he's going to confirm that, and, and he's going to confirm that it's legitimately, it's this young man, Saul. First 1 Samuel 9, 17, the next verse, and when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. And It's amazing to me. I, I don't know about you, but it kind of hit me along the way. Saul and his servant, when looking for some sheep, but they got a whole lot more. I I found that interesting. They found what they were looking for and a whole lot more. In 1 Samuel 9, 20, it says, And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them. For they are found... That's what they went searching for. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? Oh man, bombshell right there. A bombshell. See, Saul went looking or went to Samuel looking for some sheep, but he got a whole lot more than he bargained for that day. And may I ask you, may I say today that maybe you made your way to church this morning looking for something. I mean, could it be you you came looking for some encouragement, maybe some fellowship, possibly some acceptance or love or approval. Maybe you were searching for some purpose or power in your life or personal satisfaction. I don't know. Maybe you sought for instruction or inspiration. Could you have been seeking advice, direction, or even guidance in your life? I mean, you showed up at Community Baptist Temple looking for something, searching for something. Could it be possible that, like Saul, God has more for you than you ever thought possible? I mean, Saul, he came seeking some direction and guidance. And he was missing some sheep, that's all. And he thought, why work so hard if you can work smart? Man, there's a man of God in the city. Let's go see the man of God. And the man of God can make our search profitable. We won't have to waste all this time. If he directs us and he guides us, if he gives us good information, we'll be able to get past this and get back home and get to work again and do what's necessary and needful. Like Saul, you possibly entered this morning looking to get something. But along the way, maybe even this service, God will offer you a whole lot more. I want to have a word of prayer and then I want to just share a couple of things that just maybe God is offering you. Just share a few things that very possibly He's offering or extending that you never dreamed He would. And maybe you were looking for something today, but you'll find a whole lot more. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. We ask, Lord, for your leadership and your love. And we do ask that you would work in our lives, speak to our hearts. Lord, if there be any that are without Jesus Christ in this place today, that they would recognize their need of him as Savior and Lord, that they would gladly and anxiously receive and accept him into their life as Savior. Father, for the believer, Lord, maybe we're in need of something more. May you help us. May you speak to our hearts. May you work in our lives. May you remind us again of our purpose and our reason for existing even. Lord, we need you now. We pray that you'd make this message profitable, this simple thought profitable. Lord, we need you in Christ's name. Amen. I wonder today, like Saul. I mean, Saul went looking for a few sheep and he got offered a kingdom amazing i'm just looking for a few sheep samuel man of god seer i'm looking for some of the sheep that have been lost and samuel says well (laughs) i'll tell you a little bit about your sheep Uh, they're fine don't worry about them they're good to go but let me give you a little bit more than you bargained for just possibly like saul this morning he's offered you a kingdom Maybe you came here lost. You came here without Jesus Christ in your life. You came here without the Savior. And you came thinking, well, I'm going to go there. And, and I hear church is a good place to go. And it's a place you can kind of uh, kind of settle in. And that you might even be able to get some instruction, and encouragement, and some help. Maybe find a friend or somebody to come alongside. I'm in a difficult spot. I'm in a pickle. I'm in a tough place in my life. And I need something. I need some, someone. I've got to do something different. I'm going to go to church. I'm looking for something. But maybe instead of a few sheep, you're going to find a kingdom too. The Bible tells us, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The truth is, is that we're all sinners. And the fact is, we're sinners not because we do bad things. We're sinners because we're sinners at the root. The very nature is sinful. The fact is, we were born into sin, we live in sin, and we'll die in sin. Back in that garden over there in Eden, we know that uh, Eve chose to take of that fruit, and then Adam willingly... F- took of that fruit, and he he is the transgressor. He's the reason why today we find our world in a mess. Today we find people hurting and harming one another. It's all because of the sin of Adam. And that sin has been passed on to his children and to their children and to their children all the way to today where it's passed on to me and it's passed on to you. And in your very nature, the very root of your being, you're a sinner like I am. And every time we look in the mirror, we can't help but see sinner written across our face. And even though I want to do good, even though I try to do good, it's in my nature to do wrong. I never had to teach my children to do wrong. I had to teach them to do right. They were born into sin because they're just like their daddy. And may I say today, whether you believe it or understand it, the Bible tells us for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short to his perfect standard. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's righteous. And we are anything but that. But thank God 2,000 years ago. Emmanuel came. God with us. He took his place on Calvary. Willingly laying down his life. He suffered bled, and died for you. He was buried. He didn't stay in the grave though. Three days and three nights later, he rose from the dead victoriously, proving that if he can die and rise again, you too can live again. And the Bible says in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And once you believe on his name, you literally become the child of God and boy, as a, a child of God, may I say this? You become an heir to the inheritance. In Romans chapter 8, turn there, would you please? Romans chapter 8, verse 16. In Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 16, we read, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus in the book of Galatians. We are not born children of God. We are born the creations of God. But it's only by receiving and accepting Christ that we become the children of God. And so in this case, we see here that the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Indeed, if we have received and accepted Christ into our life, if we have fallen on our face before God, acknowledging our sin before a holy, righteous uh, creator, and we say to him, I can't get there on my own. I can't be saved. I can't be washed. I can't be clean. And I can't certainly dwell with you. Never could I dwell with you who are perfect. I'm so imperfect. I need your son, Jesus. I need his sacrifice. I need him to wash me clean, to make me whole. And the Bible says we become the sons of God and his spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are indeed that. And he goes on to say, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, I don't know if that means a whole lot to you because it doesn't mean a whole lot to my children that they're my heirs. Because there's not a whole lot to inherit. Honestly, I mean, let's be honest. It's like my dad. My dad runs around here all the time telling me, he said, I'm spending your inheritance, son. (laughs) He's always telling me that. And you want to know something? That's all right with me. See, my dad gave me my inheritance when he instilled in me principles and he instilled in me character and he instilled in me the things that were necessary and needful to make it in life. Listen, I don't need my dad to take care of me when he goes. I need God to take care of me. But I'll say this much, I'm certainly not thinking I'm going to get a whole lot from daddy because he's spending my inheritance and I guarantee you my kids aren't going to have a whole lot when I go. But I'm going to tell you what, as the son of the creator God, as the child of the master, as a child of the God of all the universe, and there is an inheritance that is beyond comprehension. Oh my And he says to us, then if we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Boy, that inheritance includes a kingdom, by the way. Look if you would in Revelation chapter one, verse five. Revelation chapter one, verse five. What an inheritance we have. I mean, we're not going to get into all the details. The fact is that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The fact is one day we're going to have a new body. We've got all kinds of things we have to look forward to. But I want you to notice the kingdom that you and I will rule and reign in. Revelation 1, 5, and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Aren't you glad he did that? And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He made us kings and priests. Notice in Revelation 5 now, turn a few chapters over there and look at verses 9 through 10. And they sung a new song. By the way, there's nothing wrong with new songs. Nothing wrong with a new song. Just make sure it's not worldly. Nothing wrong with new, as long as it's in alignment with the Word of God. Revelation 5, 9 through 10, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. I'm going to tell you what, we've talked about it before, but we understand that we are in the age or dispensation of grace. We get that. And boy, you are saved and I'm saved by grace through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's, it's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. The fact is you don't get saved by doing anything. You get saved by just allowing him to do it all. But let me tell you, there's coming a day when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return in the clouds. He won't come all the way to the earth. He'll return in the clouds and he'll call out his, his church. He'll call out his bride. And then the end of that, 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 what we call the church age or dispensation, that ends. And now we begin into, at some point there, the tribulation. And we know that the tribulation is, is seven years long total. Three and a half years, the tribulation. The, 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 the great tribulation, the last three and a half years, we get that. So we go from this age or dispensation of grace where you and I now are free to receive and accept Christ just by grace, through faith, and we're going to see ourselves raptured out. And then that that time period takes place where it's called the tribulation. And boy, God's going to judge his people, Israel, and God's going to be judging those that have shed the blood of his people and prophets throughout the years. And while that's going on here in heaven, there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And then at the end of that seven years, we're going to see that God is coming back in chapter 19, the Lord Jesus with his bride. And we're going to come reigning down with him. And there's going to be a thousand year millennium that kicks off. And he's going to rule and reign on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And we're going to rule and reign with him. Maybe you showed up today looking for a little bit of encouragement. Maybe you came today saying, boy, you know what? I have some needs in my life. Boy, I'd like to find a friend or somebody I could fellowship with. Somebody I could even talk to. My friend, you came here today looking for a few sheep. And yet God is willing to give you a kingdom. Can you imagine you came here thinking that all you could get is some earthly help, and yet God's offering you a heavenly kingdom? Wow. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit like Saul. He found what he was looking for and a whole lot more. Boy, I'll tell you what, today, if you'll just let the Lord Jesus Christ forgive your sin and save your soul, if you'll just surrender your life to Him and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. It's not somebody. It's you I need. It's not anybody. It's just you. He'll forgive you, save you. And Let me tell you what. He'll make you His child. You'll be an heir to His throne, and you too will have the opportunity to rule and reign in the kingdom. Not only that, but Possibly, possibly like Saul, God has offered you a calling today. See, Saul would go looking for some sheep and instead be offered a position, that of a king. How many have attended a service like this one, looking for something and found so much more? I don't know about you, but I've gone to some services and God's got a hold of my heart. And boy, I'll tell you what, he made it very clear that there was something more he wanted for me. I still remember years ago when I was uh, at a service, it was, a, kind of a, uh, it was at a church that I had attended at one point and they had an evangelist in and, and I had been warring and fighting with the call to ministry and I just, I just had been dealing with that. I've been working through that issue and boy, I tell you what, I didn't go to church that night really looking to be called to the ministry. I didn't go there expecting God to put his finger on my life. I didn't go there expecting that when I left, my whole future would have already be set in stone but I'm going to tell you something while I was there. While I was there in that service, I went looking for something, but I got a whole lot more. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to my heart there in, the, in, that, in that altar call and boy, right then on that spot I knew it's time to go forward. It's time to commit my life. It's time to give myself to whatever God wants, to full-time ministry and then that was the warring that I had in my heart. You don't have to be quote, paid in the ministry to be a full-time Christian, my friend. But I'm going to tell you something. God spoke to me that day about that issue. Maybe God's going to speak to you this morning about being a full-time Christian, though. Maybe you're living just partly in the world and partly in the church, partly out in flesh and partly in the Spirit. Maybe you like to read your Bible when it's convenient. Maybe you like to serve God when it's only comfortable. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something today. God wants more for you. God wants something great in your life. You came here looking for something, but maybe you're going to find a whole lot more. It's possible this morning. God's speaking to you and telling you it's not just only attending or getting involved, but he's calling you to work in the nurseries. Maybe he's telling you the Sunday schools or the bus ministries your area. Maybe he's saying, you need to be involved in that music ministry. You need to realize I'm calling you to to take another step in your Christian life. Maybe you need to join the Usher Corps. Maybe you need to be involved in the maintenance or the ground crews. I don't know, but I'm just saying, you came here looking for something, but maybe you get a whole lot more. In 1 Corinthians, turn there, would you please, in chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Sometimes once we've received and accepted Christ, we kind of we feel like we can kind of relax now. Just kind of take a seat, you know, and take a deep breath. Got that one handled. On my way to heaven. Woo! We go to church and, you know, we hear the preacher, kind of get used to it, you know. He gets up there, rants and raves, he jumps around on the stage, runs up and down the steps. Familiarity breeds contempt, they say. We get so used to hearing the Word of God, we get so used to being taught in the Sunday schools, we get so used to to being around Christians that we forget that maybe there's something more for us that God wants. And there might be something more he wants from us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members that are of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. That's not talking about that water baptism at that point, by the way. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, now let me say this, the local church is a body. You have to be baptized physically into this body. If you've never been scripturally baptized, submerged, a church of like faith, then you'll be asked to be re-baptized. Say, but I was sprinkled as a baby. Find sprinkling in the Bible. Where's that at? You'll not find it. Not that old-fashioned King James Bible that we use every week, you'll not find it there. See, that's not baptism at all. I'm not trying to, not trying to make enemies here, okay? I'm not being angry or mean. I'm telling you that being baptized as a baby is not scriptural baptism. According to the Word of God, someone has to be conscious of that baptism and willing to be baptized after they have made a decision to receive and accept Christ. That is the only time that scriptural baptism takes place. And scriptural baptism is just like Jesus. He come up out of the water. It's like he was buried and he rose again. And according to Romans chapter 6, we see that as the case. You're to walk in newness of life but we're all one body. Notice he goes on to say, for by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, for we have all been made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. In verse 18, he goes on to say, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, every one of them, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. You know what he's going to do now? He's going to go back now in the passage and he's going to start talking as you move along. He's going to talk about how some people are little toes and big toes and feet and and elbows and arms, so to speak. I'm kind of exaggerating the body parts, but, but he's going to do that. You know, the knee bone's connected to the thigh bone, the thigh bone's connected to the hip bone. And he goes through this whole thing of, of, of different position or, or different pieces and parts of the body. And he says, guess what? Hey, brother Bob, you're, you're, you're a big toe. By the way, without that big toe, we don't have balance, by the way. But anyway, you're that big toe. And he goes over here and says, hey, brother, you're, you're, you're a finger. Hey, hey brother, you're, you're, you're an ear. Hey, brother, you're a tongue. Hey, brother, you're an eye. Hey, brother. You... Hey, sister, by the way, you're a... And he says, every member is placed in the body as God would have them. That means there's not one person here that's part of Community Baptist Temple that shouldn't be part of Community Baptist Temple. I said, what's that mean? I guess <laughs> you gotta know me. But anyway, uh, the fact is, is that every p- person has a part, right? That's what I guess I'm saying. Every person should play a role. Every person is needed. Every person is necessary. Everyone needs to be in their place. Everyone needs to be standing at roll call. Everybody. So you're a child of God today and you showed up. You thought, "Man, you know, I'm just I'm just I've had a long week. I can't wait to see my buddies, my friends. I can't wait to talk to somebody. I can't wait to maybe share my story. I can't wait to sit in Sunday school, maybe get a little bit of encouragement. I can't wait to go to the service and hear the choir. I can't wait. I just want some sheep. Just maybe today, you're getting a whole lot more. You got what you came for, but you got a whole lot more. The Holy Spirit of God's putting his finger on your life and saying, you know what, it's time for you to plug in. It's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to step up to the plate. It's time for you to exercise yourself, the things of God. There's not one need that the church has. Hold on, let me finish. There's not one need that the church has when every member is playing their part. Do you know why churches have needs? Because not all the members carry the weight that God intends them to. Do you know why families have problems? Because not every member is carrying their weight. And we are a family, a body. What area of service is God calling you to, today, to today? I got to hurry and I'm done. But let me just say this last one. Like Saul, God offered you a legacy. You might have gotten what you came for, but maybe a whole lot more. Maybe, maybe today he's called you to a legacy. You know, he wants you to, to, to have something that will last on earth after you're gone. And I believe God wants that for all of us. You know how he does that? By one, being saved, trusting Christ. Remember that kingdom that he wants you to have today? You may not have come looking for it, but boy, he's offered it to you. You may, have, may not have come looking to be involved or to plug into the work ministry of the church to the degree that the pastor's talking, but the Holy Spirit of God has put his finger on you. You know how you leave a legacy? Things that continue after you're long gone? By one, accepting the kingdom. Number two, accepting the calling. It'll leave a legacy. I mean, could it be that you're content to simply go to work each day while God wants you to impact the world? Could it be that you just are content or happy with a happy life? Just give me a happy life, God, but God wants you to leave a legacy A life lived on behalf of Jesus Christ impacts all those around us. And by nature, it leaves a legacy. It's not going to be just a professing faith that leaves a legacy, by the way. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to work. And, and, you know, I've told a few of the guys I'm a Christian. That's not going to leave a legacy. That's not how you leave a legacy. I just want to show you one verse uh, of just well, actually, it's two verses, but it's one passage. Romans 12,1 and two, and then I'll close this down. I had a little bit of section for conclusion and all. We're going to skip all that, because we've got to get the nitty-gritty, plus there's buses that got to get out of here. We've got all kinds of things going. And I think you get the point today. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two. Let me tell you how you leave a legacy. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We don't have time to develop it, but we know that the mercies of God are defined and described in verses chapters 1 through 11. And finally, after 11 chapters, the Apostle Paul steps up to the plate and finally says, I beseech you. Not before he's told us why we ought to do what he's going to ask us to do here. But notice he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes on to say, and be not conformed to this word, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove it as that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But I want you to focus on verse 1. Again, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Today, I want you to know it's not unreasonable, or should I say it was not unreasonable for Saul when he met with Samuel to say, okay, if that's what God wants, that's what God gets. Now, Saul was a ripoff, by the way. The people got what they asked for, and he was a ripoff. He didn't follow through, and he did not do what God, had, what God had ultimately instructed him. He had chosen to go his own path, even though God had placed him in that position of authority. May I say today, you may make a choice, but it's up to you to keep following through with that choice and that decision. But I want you to know this. It's not unreasonable for God to ask you to be saved today, to forsake your old life, to say my sin is not something I want. I want Jesus Christ. That's not God asking too much. And you know what? As a believer, it's not God asking too much to say, I want you to step it up. I want you to be more involved. I want you to be more dedicated. I want you to be more committed. I want you to give more, not just of your finances, but of yourself. That's reasonable of him. Reasonable. And you know, leaving a legacy demands that 100% commitment. I've sat in numerous funerals and I've stood in numerous funerals and I have listened to families, friends and relatives testify to the lives of people. Do you know how unusual it really is for the main compliment of a person to be a godly Christian. He's a good man. She's a wonderful mother. He was a great husband. She was a good wife. Those are all wonderful things. How come I never hear, first and foremost, my, they were such a godly Christian? Could it be that we don't emphasize the kingdom God's given us enough and the calling that he's called us to, we're not making those things big enough deal. Is it possible that our Christian life's not everything that, we would, that God would have it be? You may have come today looking for something and I'm sure you did. We all did to some degree or another. Maybe you found a whole lot more. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart about something. Maybe you were lost and in need of Christ and you know, I need the kingdom of God in my life. I need Christ in my life. I want a future with God. I don't want to just be happy on earth. I want to be happy for eternity in his presence. I need Jesus. Maybe you came looking for a number of things, but the Holy Spirit of God as a believer put his finger on you and said, it's time for you to take the next step in your Christian life and to activate your portion of the body to be involved, to plug in, to be more dedicated and more committed and allow it to show through your attendance, allow it to show through your service, allow it to show at your workplace and in your home and in your family. May God help us today. He found what he was looking for and a whole lot more And I believe today, if we'll be honest, the Holy Spirit of God has been working in lives. And there's a whole lot more he has and wants for us if we'll just simply give it to him. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your love and your grace and mercy. We thank you so much for just the privilege that we have to be a part of your family, if indeed we are. There may be those that are without Christ today. I pray that they would settle their soul salvation. I pray that they would not leave here wondering or guessing or hoping that they will be a part of the family of God, hoping they'd be in heaven one day when they close their eyes in death. I pray that they would have confidence. The Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. We thank you for your promise, Lord. Lord, I pray that every person in the room can claim that promise. can say, I know him. and He knows me. Lord, today they may have come seeking for something and you spoke to them and said, "Nah, I got a kingdom I want you to have. If there's someone that's without Christ, Lord, may they settle their souls to salvation today. With every head bowed, every eye closed very quickly. Anybody in the room today, anybody would say, preacher, that's me. I Honestly, I can't say for sure heaven's my home. I've never settled that 100%. I believe in God, possibly. I, I think church is important. I, I've got some upbringing in the house of God or the church, but truthfully, I can't say for sure heaven's my home. I can't say I've got it settled. Boy, i tell you what, I'd like to, if you could have that settled. I want you to know you can. Would you be willing to let me pray for you with an uplifted hand? Would you raise your hand? Preacher, that's me. I don't have it settled, but I I'd, I'd tell you what, that'd be great news if I could know. Anybody like that? Can I pray for you today? Could I do that, please? I won't embarrass you. I won't come and get you. I won't make you... Walk forward and tell you you have to do something i 'll ask you down the road to do some things, but I certainly would love to pray for you. anybody anyone please you 're a child of God. you came searching for something, looking for something, wanting something. Maybe God spoke to you about a whole lot more. Will you obey him today? Maybe you need to come forward to an altar, and that thing he 's told you you need to solidify it, you need to make a decision. Maybe in an old fashioned altar and say, Lord, I'm coming forward. I want it to be important. I want to be memorable. I don't want to forget it when I walk away today. So I'm going to go to that altar. I'm going to solidify that decision right now. You spoke to me, you got a calling for me that I never dreamed. Saul felt so insignificant, he was so humbled. Yet we find that God gave him courage and confidence along the way. And may I say, you may feel insignificant now, and you may feel like God can't do what he wants to do with you. And you're like, I can't believe he's calling me to do that. I can't believe he'd want me to teach, or I can't believe he'd want me on a bus. I can't believe he'd want me to be involved with those ushers. I can't believe he'd want me to work here or do that. or be. Let me tell you something. It's amazing what God can do with you if you're just willing to let God do it through you. Father, bless this invitation. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed, the music plays. Won't you come? We're not going to waste the